From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. On the show today, Election Day is fast approaching, and there are plenty of candidates and runoffs for state executive positions. Today, we'll hear from the Democratic and Republican candidates running for treasurer, Dustin Granger and John Fleming. But first... Louisiana officials have known for decades that the lakes near the state capitol and the governor's mansion in Baton Rouge contain toxic chemicals. In September, these bodies of water were added to a list of sites being prioritized by the federal government to receive funding to help decontaminate them. The EPA recently notified Louisiana that it and the other owners of the lakes may be responsible for part of the cost of the cleanup. Mark Slefstein, environmental reporter for The Advocate, has been covering this story and joins me now. Mark, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Can you start by giving us a little history of the Capital Lakes? Who owns them? What's contaminating them? And how did the federal government get involved? The lakes uh, were created basically uh, at the turn of the last century, uh, the 20th century, when um, wetland area in Baton Rouge was basically dammed off from the Mississippi River. Uh, The state got involved when Huey Long was uh, creating the site for the Capitol building, and he bought a portion of the lake. And at the time, he was both governor and acting head of the LSU Board of Supervisors. So LSU basically sold that portion of the lakes to, to the state. Kansas City Southern Railroad, which is now a joint company with Canadian Pacific Railroad, also owns a small portion of it that actually has part of the contamination on the bottom. Now, the contamination largely comes from PCBs uh, that were in oil that leaked from transformers that were stored in an old Westinghouse electric warehouse in Baton Rouge. The site has uh, been sitting there uh, with with lots of problems known to the state in, in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and the state pushed uh, um, Westinghouse to clean up its site and the, the waste all the way down to the lake, but not the lake bottom, uh, back in the 80s and gave it basically a clean bill of house, health federal government stepped in a couple of years ago uh, when it did a a new survey of the lake. And what they found was that there is still contamination at the bottom of the lake, which everybody really knew in advance. But um, it was an important thing to do because what was happening was that EPA was looking at whether or not the site should be listed on uh, the list of Superfund uh, uh, sites which is called the national priority list and being added to that site makes it uh, eligible for cleanup with money that is placed into a trust fund that was run by the superfund program however the uh, companies or individuals that are involved uh, either as owners or as the contributors to uh, the waste are not uh, they don't get out of uh, having to pay for the cleanup. The sites were officially added uh, permanently to the list on uh, September 7th. And then a couple of weeks later, EPA sent notes out to the state and to Kansas City Southern 
because it was the owner of part of the land and also to Westinghouse because it was uh, a major contributor of the PCBs and other wastes that are at the bottom of the lake. So what's the next step in in determining who pays what here? Uh, That actually was in the letters that uh, EPA sent to the state and the two companies was that uh, they want the the three organizations to get together and come up with a plan for a a much more comprehensive uh, review of how to how to get rid of the wastes or how to make the wastes non-contaminated. You know that can be either by finding some way of permanently covering them on the bottom of the lakes, which I don't think is going to be possible or by just dredging it up and removing it, taking it to a hazardous waste landfill. Now, EPA has said that um, the cost of that initial review and potential first costs of the cleanup could be about a half a billion dollars, $500 million. But uh, the State Department of Environmental Quality warns that it could actually be more than that. Um, EPA has told them to get together and make a decision amongst yourselves of who's going to be responsible for paying. And if you're not able to do that, uh, here's a way of getting a third party independent organization to come up with that plan. And if that doesn't work, then EPA will step in. It will clean up the whole thing itself uh, with the trust fund and then bill the parties. But those bills will be greater than if they did it themselves. Mark Schlefstein, environmental reporter for The Advocate. Mark, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Jeff Landry may have won the governorship outright, but there are still plenty of races left for Louisianans to decide in the general election. Between now and November 18th, Election Day, we're bringing you conversations with the candidates running for the remaining positions in the state's executive branch. Today, we have Republican John Fleming, who's running for treasurer. He's most recently served as deputy chief of staff under President Donald Trump. John, thanks for being here. Yes, thanks for having me, Karen. Don, you have somewhat of a different background from from other politicians. You're a physician, former Webster Parish coroner. Can you tell us how you got into politics and and whether your earlier career had an influence on your work in office? Yes, you know, I never even considered a political career at any point uh, in my life. Uh, But I was approached by a colleague, a physician colleague, uh, back in the 90s, uh, who urged me to run for state senate. And uh, that sort of sparked a thought. Uh, But the thing that was most important to me in my life uh, then and even now was my family. And so uh, I didn't consider beyond that point until my kids all left for college and for work careers. And an opportunity came in 2008 to run for a congressman for the 4th District of Louisiana, which I did and uh, was successful. Now, you served as as congressman for four terms, actually represented the district, now represented by a name we've all heard a lot these days, Mike Johnson. Can can you tell us about your experience in Congress and, and what you consider your biggest accomplishments in Washington? Uh, Mike Johnson was my successor in office. In fact, I encouraged him to run for my seat. 
uh, because I was then uh, planning to run for U.S. Senate, which I did, but was not successful. But I thought Mike Johnson uh, really was talented uh, and certainly has grown into the position of Congressman of the 4th District. And as you know, uh, became Speaker of the House very recently. And uh, I think he's a good uh, fit for that position. Uh, while I was in Congress for eight years, this was during the uh, Obama presidential years, the, a lot of issues began to arise, much of them on the social scale and, of course, uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which uh, I and my Republican colleagues opposed because we felt that there was nothing in the, the, the act that actually uh, reduced cost of health care. And as a result, we would end up with higher co-payments, uh, higher cost out of pocket, and ultimately uh, higher premiums, which is actually what has developed. But beyond that, uh, one of the things that many of us uh, conservatives who served in Congress became concerned with was our own leadership that too often seemed to compromise uh, without holding up to some of the values that we felt were important. And uh, one of the issues was with Speaker Boehner in those days, who was a Republican, we felt that he gave in way too easily and too quickly on the Iranian deal that was struck uh, by President Obama. It was things of this nature that many of us really had disagreements with our leadership, and we would oppose it. And this led to uh, a group of us coming together, nine individuals. Uh, we became the founding members of the House Freedom Caucus, which has really been in the news for the last several years, particularly beginning with uh, the defense of President Trump, uh, really uh, accusations that were not true, that he colluded with uh, Russia and that sort of thing back during his uh, first uh, election. John, I do want to focus on on this particular race and how these experiences that you've had and these the different positions that you've held um, uh, power in in the several different sure. offices, including U.S. Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development, for instance. How do you um, believe this has helped prepare you for the role as state treasurer? So uh, before I ran for Congress, uh, I created a series of companies that still even today employ over 350 Louisianans. So uh, I, every month I make a very large payroll and uh, that I think is very important in developing your understanding of the economy and how government can help and hurt uh, the economy and small business people. So then while I was in Congress, of course I had to vote on eight different uh, federal budgets uh, I felt, and many of my colleagues felt, that we were spending way too much money. So I developed, you know, a, a per chance for uh, streamlining the budget and, and not wasting money, uh, which is taxpayers' money, not our own. And then afterwards, of course, um, I led the Economic Development Administration, where we made grants to communities to take down uh, any kind of barriers or roadblocks or private company investment. And we got a five to one return on that. So uh, both on the private side uh, and the public sector side, I have a, a very, I guess, broad and deep experience in the whole issue of how to invest money, how to protect and save 
and make sure that that investment is spent wisely. Tell us about the platform that you're running on. What, what are your priorities if elected? The most important function of the treasurer is to protect the state's taxpayer money. We have approximately a $60 billion budget annually. And, um, you know, if money sits in an account with nothing happening to it, it loses 3 to 10% of its value every year, depending on the rate of inflation. So it's important that you have forward motion with, uh, with money and bank accounts, uh, that it's invested safely, but also uh, in a way that you get a return on that investment. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the treasurer sits on the bond commission, which uh, approves and has oversight over bonding uh, debt that municipalities may take on. And it is a very popular program on the treasurer's office called Unclaimed Property, in which uh, money that maybe is a tax return, that a refund that did not to the right party, that Louisianans uh, can get that money back. Uh, but my heart really beyond all of those important duties is in economic development. What can I do as an ex-Louisiana state treasurer to work with our governor and other members of the administration and the legislature to move our state forward economically? Your opponent, Democrat Dustin Granger, says it makes financial sense for the state to move away from investing in oil and gas and instead invest in renewable infrastructure projects like wind farms, uh, electric vehicle factories. What do you think? Your challenger has said that there are ways to invest in renewable energy that are advantageous to the state and can help offset the costs of oil and gas when you're looking at climate change. Do you disagree with that? Well, um, that's theory, but he produces no proof of what he's saying. My opinion is that the state, and certainly uh, when you're managing taxpayer money, you should invest that money wisely and where you get the best return on investment and not utilize it for political outcomes. Uh, so uh, when you've got uh, water um, generating electricity, uh, and that's a renewable, I'm all for it. Uh, nuclear, in some cases, turns out to be uh, an excellent form of energy where certain types of energy production work best and is cost effective and lowers the uh, rates to consumers, uh, I'm fully supportive of it. But to simply say, well, all Americans should be driving this type of vehicle or using this form of energy, just because that's my political position, I think makes no sense at all. And we've been talking with John Fleming, a Republican running for state treasurer. John, thanks so much for your time today. Yes, thank you, Karen. I enjoyed speaking with you. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. We'll continue our conversations with the candidates in the runoff for treasurer with Democrat Dustin Granger. He's a small business owner, financial advisor, and investment manager, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Karen. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your, your previous experience? I know you, you worked with families recovering economically from things like the Great Recession, the pandemic, hurricanes. How might that experience qualify you for the position of treasurer? 
Absolutely. That is really like the root of uh, of me wanting to uh, get out there and lead economically in this state. You know, we have so many uh, economic crises that are kind of going on all at once. And my experience as a financial advisor and a certified financial planner, I've helped uh, the people I work with, working families, uh, not only just achieve their goals in retirement and live off their money, but I'm most proud of helping them through tough economic times like the financial crisis, the hurricanes, insurance crises. So I know what it takes to uh, to help get us out of that. Uh, and after the 2008 financial crisis, I, that really turned my understanding of economics upside down. And I went on like a deep dive to see, like, why do we have these big downturns and how do we usually come out of them? So I went all through history and, and really I started seeing the same trends uh, that we see today. Uh, in Louisiana, we're a trickle down economic state um, where we have all the giveaways at the top and we are constantly cutting uh, investments in people like health, education, access, infrastructure, the things that we need to grow. Uh, and that leads to a lot of the problems, corporate, uh, corporate lobby control of our government, brain drain, uh, poverty, all these things that we can't come out of. And I'm I'm running because I'm sick and tired of seeing it. I believe I can help and I'm ready to fight. All right. Well, tell us tell us about your the platform that you're running on. What are the priorities? What are your priorities if elected? One of the biggest priorities uh, now, I think, is our insurance crisis in Louisiana. Not much has been done about it. It's getting worse and worse. It's making uh, um our housing situation worse. People can't afford uh, to uh, stay here uh, or buy a home here. Uh, so that's a big issue. And I feel like most of our uh, officials right now are kind of doubling down on those same bad ideas of uh, just giveaways to insurance companies. But we need real insurance reform. A lot the treasurer can help with that because I believe we're going to need like a state reinsurance. A program and a lot of that may be have to be financed by the treasurer's office. Also, uh, you know, we need to diversify our economy. Uh, the treasurer finances big capital projects, and we need to bring in diversity of high-paying jobs so our young people will stay here and not try to find opportunity elsewhere. I know in one of your your campaign videos, you say that Louisiana politicians are, and this is a quote, uh, deathly afraid of being seen as anti-oil. Are you anti-oil? And then if so, why aren't you afraid? No, I'm not anti-oil. And I made that statement as like, just to show that I'm independent. In order to tackle some of our biggest problems, like we have to be honest about our situation and not be afraid to say things that we need to say. You know, part of trickle-down economics uh, leads to this corporate lobby, corporate donor control of our government. I'm for opportunity and for younger people to have uh, new jobs, bring a diversity of businesses to the state to grow our economy. That's the main that's the main uh, uh, mission that I have as treasurer. You know, and my opponent is somebody that is shown to be uh, backed by a lot of these uh, big corporations and big donors like big insurance, big oil, um, big pharma, things like that. All right. Well, when it comes to environmental, social and governance investments, ESGs, I know you believe that it's okay for the state to invest in companies that, that take stances against oil and gas. For you, what, what's the deciding factor there? 
I think we need to invest our money where there's the best opportunity. And there's a lot of uh, companies that uh, do have high ESG scores uh, that have a good return and good opportunity to invest in. So I'm all about that. Growing and modernizing our economy to uh, to the new century is really important you know, to bring in these high paying jobs. So whatever can get us the best return, whatever has a good opportunity in the future, we should look at and not just ban things just because our big corporate donors tell us we need to. You've called on the head of Louisiana's Democratic Party to step down. Tell us why. I just believe that she uh, has gotten in the way of progress in this state. You know, we're uh, this is a state where we have a lot of poverty, a lot of working people struggling to get by with insurance issues, our economy that's undiversified, uh, so many different things. And I felt that our current chair didn't do the things that we needed to do to uh, to raise money, to uh, challenge uh, seats up and down the ballot um, and give us the support we needed. And I thought also the chair was providing more distractions uh, to these statewide races uh, instead of support. Now, turnout was historically low in October's primary, especially among Democrats. You did win uh, 32% of the vote. How do you feel heading into the general? You know, it's it's always tough in this state. Uh, having a D by your name is always tough. Uh, but, you know, we, uh, we polled all of our stances and our stances are extremely popular. You know, we, uh, when people hear about uh, myself, uh, hear about my opponent who really is just uh, a career politician that wants to, uh, really he wants higher office uh, going back to DC. So we don't need people in these important seats that use it as a seat warmer. Like we need people that will fight for these changes, people that are experienced enough to be able to make the right decisions and and challenge uh, other people in our government. I'm the guy for that. So the challenge for me to win this thing is to just let people know who I am, what I stand for, and um, and who my opponent is. Now, if you win this election, you'll be a Democrat working with a Republican governor and a legislature that's even more conservative than the, the previous term. How will you manage to do your job in, in such a partisan environment? And what's your uh, approach when it comes to working with the other side? Yeah, working with the other side is always, uh, it's very important and something I believe I can do because, you know, I was raised in a very conservative family. They still are. Also, as a financial advisor, I have clients that are on both sides of the political spectrum, and I've been dealing with that for 20 years. But we also have to recognize that there is a thing as going too extreme one side, and it appears that our state government is moving very extreme. So I think it's important that we have another voice at the table to bring balance to our government. So I will stand up and will never back down for things that can help working people of this state. I will always fight for them. If that means calling out the governor, calling out the legislature, I will do it at any opportunity. They do good things. I will praise them too. whatever it helps working people. Dustin Granger is the Democratic candidate running for state treasurer. He's a financial advisor and lives with his family in Lake Charles. Dustin, thanks for speaking with me. Thank you so much, Karen. (music) 
From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. Thanks to our guests, reporter for the Baton Rouge Advocate, Mark Schlefstein, Democratic candidate for state treasurer, Dustin Granger, and Republican candidate and former member of the U.S. House of Representatives, John Fleming. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Historic New Orleans Collection.